0: I'm going to be thinking about prayer the next few weeks. Um, And so we're going to think about prayer this morning and just carry on. And I don't know about you. um, I love to hear stories of great Christians. Um, I love to hear stories of people that uh, love their Lord so much um, that they live only for him. Um, I hope you love those people as well. Um, There are many examples of Christians that don't live 100% for their Lord. And it's really important um, to hear stories of people um, that love their God one hundred percent and to share uh, that with other people and there are some amazing stories um, in church history of people who had incredible prayer lives. Uh, I heard of one Christian um, who prayed for such a long time that she actually wore grooves into a hardwood floor, praying on her knees every night for hours upon end, and actually wore grooves into a floor in her house. Imagine doing that. Um, I heard of another person who love to pray, and he was a rich man. We're talking a few hundred years ago, I think. And uh, he had a servant. He had quite a few servants in his house. And uh, he said to one of them, "I'm going to have my daily devotionals, but can you let me know when half an hour has come to an end and come and get me?" And after half an hour, the uh, servant came to get the master, uh, as we call him, and uh, and he just couldn't bring himself to disturb him, so he left him. Three hours later, the guy finished his devotions, and he said to his servant has it been half an hour? And he said, no, it's been three hours, well, three and a half hours, in fact. And he said, why didn't you stop me when I said, and he said, you look so serene, so holy, I couldn't bring myself to interrupt you. How good is that? I heard of another guy who used to spend five hours in prayer. Now you're feeling really bad, aren't you? Uh, Five hours. Some of you are thinking, how did you get anything done? Um, But I've also heard many, many busy people say that if I didn't have my hour with God first, I couldn't get everything done that I need to. Because it's funny that when you do things in the strength and the power and the will of God, they tend to get done better. Then we do them in your strength and your power and your will. Funny, that isn't it? It's almost like God's God and, and we're not. Uh, but we make our to do lists and we leave God off of them. When actually, if we include God in our lives, things tend to go a little bit better or a lot better. But most of us aren't like those people I've just shared, are we? Many of us um, find prayer very difficult. We find it a struggle. We find it stressful. And we find it more of a, a sort of agony than a release, perhaps. And maybe today you find praying for five minutes difficult enough, let alone five hours. Um, often we feel guilty as well when it comes to prayer. We think, I haven't prayed enough. I don't pray enough. I'm not like, there's no grooves in my floor. Um, there's no, I don't get up at half past three and pray for three hours. And when I do get up early, I fall asleep, um, which is a terrible thing. When I was first a Christian, I used to do my sort of quiet time before I went to bed. And I discovered that I could pray for all night. I could pray all night long prayers. You don't realize it, but I used to lay there and I'd say, Lord, Bless so and so and stuff. So. And then I'd wake up in the morning, and, and as if I could convince God, I'd say, <clears throat> Amen. Years I thought I was convincing God that I'd prayed all night long. Um, I'm sure He realized what I was actually doing, falling asleep. So I pray in the morning now uh, when I wake up and I start my day like that. But we tend, when we feel guilty about prayer, we tend to give up. We tend to stop praying and we tend to say things like, I can't pray. I find it too hard. It's too much of a struggle. And so we stop. We just give up praying. Or we do the arrow prayer. That's almost an excuse, isn't it? The arrow prayer philosophy. I just do a Lord bless that person. That's not really prayer. That's prayer if you've got seriously no time. But we should make time for God. Well, let me give you some encouragement this morning as we think about prayer. Jesus' disciples, who we know, had some amazing times of prayer. Miracles, rooms that shook. Uh, They experienced God moving, the Holy Spirit falling. They prayed in the face of death. They prayed for people that were killing them, for their persecutors. They had amazing times of prayer as the years went on. But they weren't always good prayers. Here's an encouragement. They felt so inadequate at some point that they said to Jesus, Teach us how to pray. And uh, there should be a little red picture coming up. Um, and it, I read this this morning. It said Jesus' disciples never asked him to teach them to preach, prophesy, or heal. They asked him to teach them to pray. They did talk about some of those things, actually. But making the point that the most direct question was how do we pray? Because they understood that prayer matters actually. In its first instance more than anything else. And so we're going to be looking at prayer the next three weeks, and we're going to be thinking and going through the whys and the hows of prayer, and hopefully it will help. And this morning we're going to be looking at just two verses um, from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, and that's the Lord's Prayer, but we'll kind of go through all of it over the next three weeks. And let me read to you just our first two verses. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. What a great answer. Uh, We're going to be thinking about that. Um, But, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. I looked down at my sheet and thought I was somewhere else, and I was in fact in the same place. That's okay. Um, But so they asked, I reckon great prayer actually begins with asking a very humble question of our God. How can I do this better? I know so many Christians that struggle to read the Bible, struggle to have any meaningful intimacy with God. And they try everything they possibly can. But actually the best thing to do is just say, Lord, how can I do this better? How can I be more in your presence? Teach me to know you in a way that I don't at the moment. Uh, there was a small town in America and, uh, and there was a bar in a local town, very near a local church church. And this local bar decided that they would have an extra larger bar built on the side of their existing one so they could have more business and more customers. The local church took exception to this and they began a campaign to block the opening of this brand new larger bar in their town. And they used petitions and lots and lots of prayer. Well, nothing seemed to happen for a while, right up until the week before this new building was going to be opening and their fears were going to be realised when something amazing occurred the bar was struck by lightning, caught fire and burned to the ground. Well, the bar owner was rightly quite upset and he decided he would sue the church on grounds that they were ultimately responsible for the demise of his building either directly or indirectly through their prayers. Well, The church vehemently denied any responsibility or any connection with the demise of the building and they took a letter to court. In court, the bemused judge commented, I don't know how I'm going to decide this because it appears from the paperwork that we have a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and an entire church that don't. And isn't it a sad reality that often we don't pray like we should because we sometimes lack the very faith that God will answer in the first place. People say the first thing you should do is pray, but often it's the last thing. But you would pray first if you really believed God was going to move, wouldn't you? The problem is, when you question if God will answer, if you even question him, you'll end up working out different ways to pray. What often happens with most Christians is when they begin to wonder if God will answer their prayers, they begin to think maybe I'm not praying correctly. And so they pray in lots of different ways, thinking that there must be some magic secret prayer code. If I pray standing up, God will listen. Laying down, that will certainly get God to hear and answer. I've got a very short video. It's very tongue-in-cheek, and it is American, but that's okay. I like Americans. Um, It's just a couple of minutes long, and it's just about the ways people pray. And You may identify with some of these ways people pray.
1: Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day, Lord Jesus, and all your wonderful, Lord Jesus, things that you, Lord Jesus, do for us, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, uh, I just want to thank you for Annie and Sarah and Molly. I know that with their strength, we can change
0: the world. We can change the world. Woo!
1: Mercury, Venus. Earth, Mars, and we give you the praise. Yes, Jesus. We cannot wait to see what you're going to yes. do today. And we are excited. Ho! Aunt Margaret's really nasty hangnail. And I worship you it. God, I, uh... I just, uh... Um, toilet paper, deodorant... Speaking of, I need to get some more. Hey God, uh, thanks for bringing us here today. Thank you for all the stuff that you're gonna do in our lives, Uh, the ways you're gonna work. It's absolutely amazing and we are super amped for everything that you hold for us. I just don't know what to say. Hey, God. Man, you're great. Help me find a mate. Amen. (sighs) Salt, garlic salt, sea salt, kosher salt. God, just. Just let your doves of knowledge flow from under our fingernails of repentance.
0: You might identify with some of those. I don't think we've got any sneezers in this church, which is a relief. Um, but we think, don't we, that if I just changed my method... That will somehow bring me more success. And I've got books that I get given from time to time where people tell me that if I pray in a certain way or stand in a certain way or get up at a certain time, then that will suddenly unlock the treasures of heaven. But it's not how it works. The type of prayer that God responds to is genuine, faith-filled prayer from a person seeking his will and his holiness in in their lives. Prayer is powerful, not because of the way we do it or who we are, Prayer is powerful because of who God is. Because God is powerful. because And in Jesus' answer to his disciples' question, teach us how to pray, his four-word answer was, Our Father in heaven. This is how you should pray, Our Father in heaven. What a great reply. Not standing on one leg in the middle of the afternoon. No, Our Father in heaven. Because great prayers are not ones that use long religious words or poetry and some often when you become a Christian or you rediscover your faith and you enter church life you're so put off so quickly aren't you because there are people that pray beautifully and they are beautiful prayers but God is no more impressed with long poetic theologically sound in wording prayers than he is with someone that can just say Lord help God looks at the heart not our language And so he says, our Father in heaven, great prayers are ones that are correctly orientated at God, our Father in heaven. In those four words, we see God's love because we're able to call him Father. And we see his power when we remember that he is actually in heaven, when we remember where he is. And that word Father um, in the Bible is often written in Aramaic And it comes, it's translated as the word Abba. And in Romans it says Abba, Father. And that word Abba, Father, that word, that phrase, Father, is a very intimate word. And actually that would have been really shocking for the disciples. You can't call God Father. The Jews were frightened to even write his name down, even utter his name out loud. A Jewish person would just write G-G even now. Because you don't write God down. You don't say his name without utter reverence. But Jesus says the way you pray is Father, intimate, close, beautiful. And unless we understand the truth that God loves us and likes us, we will always end up avoiding him in the place of prayer. Because if you think God doesn't love you or like you, you will think wrongly that you have to spend time convincing him to answer you. I'm a father of two, as you all know. And uh, my children I love and I like them. Um, those two things don't always go together if you're a parent but we won't get into that now, we haven't got time Um, sometimes you love them and you're not sure if you like them but I love them and I like them and when they come to me for help they don't have to convince me to help them they don't have to come and say Dad, you're an amazing guy, you're a great dad thank you for everything you've done all these years they just say help and no matter how much they've wound me up all afternoon um, I help them because I love them and I like them. And unless you get that in your head when you pray, that God loves you and likes you, you're going to spend all your time having to convince him to do those things. I remember being, um, this is something I've had to get my head around and and believe over the course of my Christian life. I remember being a, a not a troubled 13-year-old, a confused 13-year-old, like every 13-year-old, frankly. Um, I remember being at a youth group. I've been a Christian about two years, and I remember spending all of my time Whenever I prayed, it would always be, Lord, forgive me, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, please forgive me, Lord. Because I was convinced that God didn't really like me. I was convinced that every time I sinned, that was it. I was out of his good books, if you pardon the expression, and that God didn't like me, and he'd stop loving me and blessing me. And I remember being at this youth group, and we were having a time of prayer and worship, and one guy came up to me, a guy called Nick, Nick and Val, some of you may know him, may them, know them even, and he came up to me, and... Uh, I thought he was about 102 at the time, but he was probably only about 45. (laughs) Um, Bless him. Lovely couple. And he came up to me and said, I just feel God wants me to tell you that he loves you. And I can't tell you how that was a burden lifted off my shoulders. Because so often you convince yourself God doesn't like you. And so when you pray, you pray as if God's not with you. But the Bible says God is with us. He's for us, not against us. He loves us. A former bishop of Dublin, Richard Trench, Said this, we must not conceive of prayer as overcoming God's reluctance, but as laying hold of his highest willingness. We must not conceive of prayer as overcoming God's reluctance, but as laying hold of his highest willingness. How good is that? I think that's a brilliant quote. God is willing to bless, He is willing to answer His children when they speak to Him. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 says this. He says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God is kind and he is forgiving. He is not absent and cruel. And we must know that as we pray. So he says, pray our Father who is in heaven. And some of us here find it really hard to grasp that closeness of God. And we conclude, therefore, that God is far away. That God is a long way from us and therefore isn't involved, doesn't really care what's going on. And the truth is, God is a long way from us. God is unbelievably far from us. He is beyond our understanding, beyond our imagination. You can't comprehend God. And in fact, if anyone ever says to you, I can comprehend God, they're either liar or deluded. Because you can't comprehend the incomprehensible. You can't understand the one who is eternal and amazing, who created everything. And whilst he is beyond our understanding... The glorious truth in Christ alone is that that God has drawn close to us. Closer almost than a brother. And that should enhance our prayer life. There's an old Hebrew saying that says God isn't a kindly old uncle. He is an earthquake. He's not a kindly old uncle. He is an earthquake. Because when we face problems, what does a kindly old uncle do? Just look at you and give you a reassuring smile. But an earthquake is able to shift the very ground of which we rest our lives upon. God is not just a gentle uncle in the distance, smiling reassuringly. He is an earthquake. Ephesians chapter four, uh, chapter 3, verse 20 to 21 says this. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And then in John chapter 14, we are, John chapter 14, verses 12 to 14, Jesus utters these amazing words, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will be able to do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that, you, so, that you, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. What an amazing quote. We don't take that half as serious as we could, that verse and that promise of Jesus. Ask for anything in my name. He's not talking about Tottenham winning at the weekend or you having a brand new car, I'm afraid to tell you. That's not how it works. We're talking about things in line with the glory and the will of God. When we ask for God to move mightily, prayer is our weapon and our tool. John chapter chapter 4, verse 31, we read this word, this verse. After they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Can you imagine the place where you are shaking? But our God is an earthquake. Our God is mighty. Our God is powerful. And in this church, we've seen the earthquake at work, haven't we? We've seen God shake people's lives. We've known people near death and be saved and be healed. We've known people on the verge of ruin financially and be blessed and provided for. We've known people in all sorts of situations, who through the power of prayer, God has shaken their situation until they're on their two feet again, and we thank him for it. And it is amazing. Our God is great, and we have a privilege, unknown to anybody else on the planet, that we can ask him, we can speak to him, and he can be involved in our lives. We can ask him to bless our lives and our friends and even our enemies. But not just that, we're able to go into his presence and call him Father. And the tragedy is that many of us simply don't. Can you imagine, um, I put my phone somewhere else, can you imagine having the Prime Minister on speed dial? Um, We won't get into politics. Um, But can you imagine having Theresa May's personal mobile phone number on your phone? And can you imagine if you met her in the street and she said, I like you, I like you a lot, we're friends forever, nothing can change it. You ring me whenever you want and tell me what your problems are, I'll see what I can do, and we're always, day and night, ring me whenever you like. You'd be thinking, Prime Minister on speed dial, that's pretty good, isn't it? And you probably say to your friends, you never guess who I'm friends with, the Prime Minister. She's on speed dial. Look, there's her number. And can you imagine if your friend turned around to you and said, wow, when was the last time you spoke to Theresa May? Well, I've been a bit busy. I did send her a text, just an emoji. That was all I had time for. I never actually spoke to her. Your friend would call you crazy. They would say, you're mad. I'll be on the phone every single day. Yet, Christians if you pardon the expression, have God on speed dial. And so often we never pick up the phone. Yet Christ was nailed to a cross so that we, sinners by birth, could enter his presence and call a holy God, Father. And for those of us here this morning who have absent fathers, that is the most wonderful thing about being a Christian. That where others say, Dad, I say, Father. And it is the best. So this week, a simple thing. When you pray, meditate on that word father father god meditate on that word that's so intimate it's kind of like daddy think of that same god that you're calling father how he created the world with only his voice that you get to call him father be in awe that he sent his son to die for you so that you could call him father and know the power of prayer in your life and get praying Next week, we're going to be thinking about prayer some more, why we need to do it, and why some prayers are not answered. But simply this morning is simply a reminder of the heart of prayer, which is the Father's love and his power. And so we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. I'm going to ask you to stand, because we'll sing our next song afterwards, perhaps. But should we say the Lord's Prayer together? And so let's pray. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Stay standing. We're going to take communion together in a moment, but we're going to sing Um, one song first so should we just remain standing